You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Um, uh, great things in the church today, not just our church, but the church as a whole. He's moving, he's speaking, he is um, drawing people to himself. That's probably one of the most important things that when you read um, John chapter 12, when you see Palm Sunday, what we call uh, Palm Sunday, the week before Jesus went to the cross, Passover, um, what you see in John 13 is that Jesus makes this statement to his disciples and he goes, look, I have to be lifted up, meaning that he had to go to the cross so that he could draw men to himself. And Jesus is still doing that, that God is speaking to people and drawing um, them to the heart of Christ. And it's only through Jesus Christ that we find salvation. It's only through Jesus Christ that we find the peace of God, that we have relationship with God. The Bible tells us that Jesus said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. And so we still see that today, and that's our prayer. Even next week as we prepare our hearts, Easter Sunday and the resurrection, that we set our hearts there. We begin to think about those folks in our life who maybe do not yet know Jesus Christ. And God desperately is reaching out to them through his love. And and maybe you're a tool, a vehicle to help them come to the knowledge of that love. So I want you to be thinking and praying about that this week. Um, and so in our, in our message today, we're talking about growing um, in our faith. And what we've been looking at is a story in Mark 4 where Jesus and the disciples go across the, a lake. And they're in a boat. The storm comes. We're probably all familiar with it. We've heard it Sunday school. We've read it a couple times in this series. And the storm comes and they're, the, the, they're about to drown. And the disciples are straight tripping out, okay? Can I use that phrase? Like, they are freaking out. Like, think like middle school freaking out. Like, they don't know what is up and what is down. But Jesus is sleeping in the boat. Like, he is like, you know, cutting logs, sleeping, soundly sleeping. The scripture actually tells us his head was on a cushion. (laughs) Like, Jesus wasn't just like tired. Jesus was relaxing, okay? So he did not have a problem. And so the disciples wake him up, and I love Mark 4's account and their narrative in Mark 4, this story. It's in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Luke, and Mark. But Mark 4, the disciples like just go into haywire mode, and they go, Jesus, they wake him up, don't you care that we drown? And last week we talked about that, that idea of moving from fear to faith and how Jesus cares for us. He breaks the power of fear and anxiety in our life. Um, But Jesus gets up, of course, in the story and rebukes the wind and the waves, and everything calms down. The disciples get what they were crying for, and they go in astonishment, and they go, oh my goodness, who is this guy? Even the winds and the waves obey him. And Jesus looks at him and says, why do you still have no faith? Why do you still have no faith? And that's that's a little bit challenging. If you really think about that and you really just look at that and you go, look, isn't it a natural response when we go through the storms of life and we have the promises of God that Jesus never leaves us or forsakes us, that sometimes we act like the disciples, don't we? It's natural. It's our natural ability. But here's what I want to give you today is that Jesus wasn't just rebuking them because of their lack of faith, but Jesus was saying, listen, there is a difference, and you need to hear this, There's a difference between you riding off of my faith and you having your own faith. There's a difference between us looking in the same way. You can't look to me and go, 
I'm going to ride off the pastor's faith, or I'm going to ride off my parents' faith, or I'm going to ride off the faith of something I've seen. God wants to build faith in you. Jesus wants to build faith in you. And I believe with all my heart, Jesus was soundly asleep because he was challenging them. And when you look at the Gospels, you see this, this, this thing happen more and more. And we're going to talk a little bit about it today, where Jesus encourages the disciples to begin to take faith for themselves. And I'm going to show you in the scripture why that's true. And for every one of us, going through the storms of our life is going to require us to grow in faith. You can't drift off of somebody else's faith. You have to have your own faith in Jesus Christ. And that comes from several things that we're going to see today. So here's what I want to start with and just kind of give you as a little bit of background. Concerning the storms of life is that storms come to all people. We can't avoid storms in our life. The gospel doesn't protect you from storms. Instead, what the gospel says is that you will get through the storm. That God will give you peace in the midst of the storm. And some of you say, well, pastor, what about the person who died in faith? Pastor, what about this person who struggled this place? Well, listen, I want to tell you something, not to over, uh, oversimplify something, but anybody who places their trust in Jesus, even if they don't touch healing on this side of the earth, doesn't ever touch death. And you need to anchor your trust and your faith in that. That Jesus has never let anybody stranded. And that God says this, that listen, he doesn't say storms won't come, storms will come. But there is a difference when we put our faith in Jesus on how we get through the storms in our life. But I also want to tell you something else about storms, is that storms don't define you. And here's the problem sometimes in the way we think and the importance of growing our faith. Is because when we don't put our faith in Jesus during the storms of our life, then we will have the opportunity for storms to define us. And we'll begin to think that this is the sum total of our life. This is the way it's always going to be. I'm always, it's like a bad country song. I'm always going to be broke. My dog's always going to try to bite me. I'm always going to have one less beer than I need. My car's always, the truck's always going to be broke. You know, it's just, listen, that's just not the truth. And when we don't put our faith in Jesus... We will let the storms of life define us. Okay, and so God is speaking to us and going, listen, the storms of life don't define you if you will put your faith in me. And so faith is a key to getting through the storms of life. We have to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus in the midst of the storm because what we choose to look at in the middle of a storm will determine where we go whether we sink or whether we get through. And so Jesus gives us the opportunity to place our faith in him in the midst of the storm. Now, I want, I want to talk to you because, and this is where I want to start to teach a little bit, because the word faith, if you've come from a traditional church, what you're, what you're going to, and we're going to talk about this, but what you're going to have to understand is that faith is, is a word that is progressive, meaning this. That when we talk about faith, the first step of faith is coming into what we call saving faith, which is faith in Jesus Christ. And that faith is where we receive freely the grace of Jesus. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. But God gave it to us through Jesus Christ. And we put our trust, our belief, that is the word faith, in Him. But faith is something that also grows in us. Faith grows in us and has to be matured in us. Because God wants to do things in our life, powerfully in our life. Now, I want to read to you a scripture. It's going to come up on the slide here. In James 1.4, it 
This is the importance of faith. And how faith has to grow inside of us in the midst of the storms of our life. It says this, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The scriptures before this says, Count it all joy, brothers and sisters, whenever you go through various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces maturity, patience, which gives way to maturity, completeness. And so when we go through the storms of life, the first thing you have to understand is that God isn't bringing the storms, but the storms do come, but the storms are an opportunity for us to grow and build our faith so that we grow in an area where we cannot be shaken. This word mature and complete means this, steadfast, anchored, unmovable. And so it's through God's goodness in the midst of the storm when we choose to place our faith in Him that He allows faith to grow in us so that we become steadfast, that we become strong, so that the next time a storm comes in our life that we're not easily moved back and forth But yet we put our confidence in the one we know has the ability to bring us through. And we begin to say, Jesus, I trust you. So I want to talk this morning just quickly about growing in our faith. Growing in our faith. So here's what I want you to see. Is that faith is grown through receiving the word. Faith is grown when we receive the word. Now, I'm going to read to you two different definitions of the word word. And let's try to, I'm not going to try to overbeat this up, but I want, to, I want to show this to you. Now, here's what you need to see about faith. In Romans 12, 3, it says this, is that God has deposited faith. It says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves in sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Now here's what I want you to pay attention to. Because the scripture in Romans here is telling us this, that the gift of grace was given to every person here in a measure deposited into each one of you through Jesus Christ. So I don't want you to think that faith is not in you. Not any time in the Gospels did Jesus ever say this. He was never implying that faith was not in them. He was saying that, listen, even though your faith might be little, even though you feel like your faith might not be there, it may be obsolete, you need to grow in your faith. And the way we grow in our faith is by hearing and receiving the Word of God. So when we look at this, there's two things that we have to understand. We have to understand this word logos that I want to read to you in John 1. I want you to write this down. John 1, 1 through 5. It says this. In the beginning was the word. Now stop for a second. I want to show you this. That word, word, in the Greek is the word logos. I'm going to tell you what this means in just a second. And the word was with God. Now listen to this. And the Word was God. Next slide. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was the life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. 
Now, this is speaking about Jesus Christ, the Word, the Logos. Now, when we see the word Logos here in John 1, 1 through 5, this is what it means. It refers to the person of Jesus as Messiah, Jesus Christ as Messiah, the anointed one who has come to destroy the yoke of sin. This speaks both of grace and righteousness. And I want to show you how this scripture points us to and anchors our faith. Because it says several things about Jesus that you need to understand that shows us the righteousness that we have in Jesus Christ. First it says this, that He was from the beginning. That He was from the beginning. What does that mean? It means this. That nothing catches Jesus by surprise. Nothing catches Jesus by surprise. Jesus doesn't come into the middle of your storm and go to the Father and the Holy Spirit and say, oh, we weren't expecting this. Do we have a plan for this? No, He was from the beginning. Now, the word from the beginning, the, the, the phrase from the beginning also has another implication. It means something better. It means greater. So this is what I want you to understand also, is that by placing your faith in the person of Jesus Christ, the Logos, the Word that is revealed through the Word of God, the person of Jesus, what you're saying is that there is a better pattern for my life than what I see right now. It gives you two options, Romans 12, 2, 1 and 2. It says either that you're going to be conformed to the pattern of this world, or you're going to be transformed into a renewing of your mind, which is attached to this truth that in the beginning, God created a better plan for you through Jesus Christ. And then John 1 through 5 says this, 1, 1 through 5 says this, that he is also the creator, that Jesus Christ was there at creation. There's deep theology in this. And I don't want us to miss over this. I don't want to overteach it either. But I want you to see this. As creator... The person of Jesus, when he came onto the earth, part of the resurrection plan was this, was to bring us into the understanding of the original fulfillment of what God designed for man. Do you understand that? See, because from the moment Adam sinned to the moment Christ came, man was living under a deception. And that deception was this, is that I'm born, I live a miserable life, and I die, and I don't know. I can't measure up. I can't be good enough. I struggle to be close to God. But when Jesus Christ came, he, what John 1, 1 through 5 says, as creator, he came and he said this to us, that I am the one who created a plan. And there is a better plan. And that plan comes through understanding who he is. But then, I think the most powerful thing that we see through this understanding of the word logos and where we place our faith in is this, is what's said about Jesus. It says this, that in him was the life and the life was the light of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. That he is the light of the world. And in any situation that you walk through, when you look to Jesus... When you look to the person of Jesus Christ, what you see is the ability to place your faith in the light of the world. When you're going through your darkest moments, when you're going through the, the things and the pain of your life, what you see in Jesus Christ is the one 
who is over, able to overcome all darkness. Praise the Lord. Amen. <clears throat> what we see here is this. Is that this is the framework for Jesus Christ, our righteousness. This is the framework for Jesus Christ, our righteousness. Justin, will you come on up, man? And the application of this is when we begin to trust and believe and place our faith in Jesus. Our righteousness in Jesus is, is like this. That He is the one who is able to cover us completely. John 10.10 10 says this. The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. This is what Jesus is saying. Is that he has come to bring life. He has come to overcome. He has come to bring us into this revelation. This is what it means when we put our trust in the person of Jesus Christ, the Logos. But there's a second word that we see here. And it's the word rhema. And this is in 10, Romans 10, 17. And it says this. It says, Consequently, faith comes by hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. Faith comes by hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. This is what this means. The message is this. The faith that comes is the word rhema, which is the spoken word of God. And this word rhema means this. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. And this is how our faith grows also. That we need to receive the logos. We need to receive the, the revelation of the person of Jesus when we come into the word and we come in with expectancy as we come to the word. And we need to understand, and as we read the Word, we need to see Jesus Christ as, as our righteousness, but we also have to see Him and hear the voice of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. This is why the Word of God is alive and active like Hebrews 4.12. And let me explain this to you in a practical way and something that happened in my life. <clears throat> is that when my son, who's now 18 years old, about to go to Texas Tech, which is in the final four of March Madness, FYI. Was little. He had, um, it was right about this time when he was like four or five years old, right about Easter time. He woke up on like a Saturday night and he had had an ear infection. He woke up on a Saturday night with 107 fever. We threw him in a bathtub, tried to cool him down. We called our, our in-laws, my, my, my wife's parents, and then they rushed over. We took him to the emergency room. His ear infection had developed and grown into something that was really, at the time, very dangerous for him as a little guy. And I began to freak out in my, in my, in my heart, in my course as a dad, my, I just all sorts of emotion came up. 
Now remember, at that time, something that Pastor Monty had, had said to me about his daughter Annie. Now, some of you know Pastor Monty, some of you don't. He's a founding pastor of this church. And he said this, he said Annie, his daughter, when she was little, had these terrible ear infections. And at one point, as God was showing him about faith, he, he placed his ears in Annie's, his fingers in Annie's ears and said, Annie, do you believe that Jesus can heal you? And Annie said, yes, as a little girl. And he did that, and, and God supernaturally touched her ears, opened up her ears, cleaned out her ears. And as I was sitting in that emergency room, and as we were sitting over there, the, word, the Lord brought that to my attention. I looked at my son and I said, Matt, do you believe that Jesus can heal your ears? And I put my, my fingers in his ears and I said, son, in the name of Jesus, let your ears be healed. And that fever broke. And the next week, that Monday after Easter, we took him to the doctor. And the doctor was like, we might have to put tubes in his ears. And he looked in his ears and he said, I don't see any problems with his ears. There's no infection. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing, nothing out of place here with his ears. And I want, you to, I want you to see this. This is how rhema works because as faith grows in one person through the Word of God. See, Pastor Monty didn't get that just from his own. What he did is instead he looked to the Word of God. And here's what the Word of God says in 1 Peter 2.24, speaking specifically about healing. It says, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By His wounds, you have been healed. And that was something that Monty stood on. And he said, God, if you said it in your Word, I believe it for truth. And as that faith grew in Him, and I heard that testimony, that rhema, that life, what took place in me is that my faith began to grow. And I said, God, I know that you're not a respecter of persons. And if you can do this for money, you can do this for me. And this is how rhema works. And this is why the scripture says this in Romans. And it tells us this, and I want you to see this. Consequently, faith comes by hearing the message. And what you're hearing is the testimony of faith. And even as Jesus got up in that boat that night with the disciples and he calmed the, the winds and the seas and he looked at him and said, why do you still have little faith? He was planting in them the seed of faith to begin to say this, that you, you can take what you see me do and begin to do these things too if you will only believe. So the first thing about growing in our faith is that we have to hear the word of God both through the righteousness of Jesus, of what He has done and how He has covered us, through that word logos, but we also have to have it alive and active in us, and that's the word rhema that we see here in Romans 10. But even though we receive the word, we have to also have a place to plant the word in order for it to grow. Faith like a seed must be planted to grow. And in your life, if you're going through the storms of life, or even if you're not, you need to plant your faith somewhere. You need to plant your faith somewhere. In Matthew 17, 20, Jesus said this. He replied, Because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, Move here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. This statement comes after the end 
of an interaction with this little boy that the scripture says was possessed by a demon. In Matthew, this is the story. And this man brings his son to Jesus' disciples, and Jesus' disciples can't, can't seem to fix the problem. And so Jesus draws the boy near, casts out the demon, and the boy is completely liberated. That demon's gone. And he looks at his disciples and he says, listen, the reason why you struggle with this is because you didn't have a place to plant your faith. In Matthew 13, 31 and 32, he told them a parable that reiterates this truth. And he says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in the branches. Faith, even when we're going through the storms of our life, though it might seem small, if we will take and receive the truth through the Word of God and then turn and plant it in the area of our need, that God will water it and grow it, the Holy Spirit will water it and grow it and turn it into something that can begin to be salvation and truth to us. You have to have a place to plant your faith. It starts with the Word of God. You have to know what Jesus the Righteousness is saying concerning the area of your life that you're walking through. You have to hear the testimony of truth, but you have to plant that faith somewhere. You can't drift off of something else. You have to take that because there is a measure of faith that God has given to you, and you've got to plant that in the area of your need. If you're walking through fear, you have to plant the seed of faith through the Word of God in that area. You need peace. If you need provision in your life, you need to plant that seed. If you need health, healing, you need to plant that seed. If you need forgiveness, if you need joy, you have to plant that seed. Faith, even though it's received, is like a seed that must be planted. And I need you to hear this. Because a lot of times we say we believe, but you don't believe until you take what's given to you and you put it into the soil of your life and you say, God, by your spirit, water this and grow this into a truth that will make me steadfast. And you have to. You have to. And I would even go as far to say this, that a lot of times in our life there's a missing element when it comes, when we walk through the storms of life to say, God, even though I know you can even though I hear your word, even though I know what you're saying, God, I still, I have to plant that in my life. And every time there's a liar accusation the enemy tries to bring your way, think about the disciples again. The lie the enemy brought to them was this, you're going to drown. You're going to drown. But there was provision in the boat through Jesus. They just needed to place their trust in the peace that Jesus was giving them. I want to wrap this up by talking about becoming a people of faith. Just a few simple things that I want you to, to think on. A little bit of practical takeaway this morning for you is this. The first is this. You have to look for future over failure. If you're going to be a person who grows in faith, you have to look for future over failure. Paul said it best in Philippians 3.13. He says, forgetting what is behind, I press on, taking hold of what is ahead. Forgetting what is behind. A person of faith chooses to look into the future that God has created them. The one who is from the beginning. The one who is creator. 
the one who has overcome darkness and begins to look past their failure into the future of what God is saying. The second thing is this. I need to look for God's best in my life. If you're going to walk by faith, you have to choose to trust in the goodness of God. That God is good. That He is good, that He is true, and that what He says, He will do. And you have to begin to anchor yourself in the goodness of God in every situation of your life. No matter what the situation is, you have to believe that God is good. That He is good. The third thing is this. You need to confess the Word of God over your life. Confess the Word of God over my life. Here's the simple truth, is that you're going to speak and believe something about yourself. You're going to speak and believe something about what you're walking through. You're going to speak and believe something about your future. You can believe fear. You can believe failure. You can believe anxiety. You can believe these things, or you can believe what God's Word says. One of the most important overlooked things is this, and it's a practice as old as day one. When first Christianity came on the scene, after the resurrection, the church was born, this has always been practiced, is that they looked to the Word of God and they reminded themselves of what the Word of God said, and they understood something that Jesus said. He said, listen, it's not what comes into the mouth that defiles you, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles you. And as we begin to confess what is true according to the Word of God, it begins to be built up into our spirit. It begins to take hold of what our emotions are going through and begins to make our emotions surrender to the truth of the Word of God. And oftentimes when we go through the the storms of life and we see these things and they're raging around us, it's the most difficult thing to confess the truth about the the Word of God over our life, but we must confess the truth of the Word of God over us. The next thing is that we have to repent of doubt. I want to tell you something here, and this is these last two points go hand in hand. Is that doubt is unbelief, and unbelief is sin. And I'm not saying this in any kind of form of condemnation because we've all been through these moments. But when we're choosing to be a people of faith and grow in our faith, and there there are times in our life when we have sided with the voice of doubt for so long, and God brings us to a crossroads and says, listen, will you trust me? Will you let me guide you? Will you anchor yourself to the, the truth of who I am through the Word of God? That we have to say, and we have to make a choice and say, God, help me in my unbelief. I need to repent of this. There have been times, can I just speak personally about about my life? There have been times in my life where I have sided with the voice of doubt and the Holy Spirit brings me to me and says, Andy, listen, you have chose to believe a lie. And the only way you will get free from a crippling lie is to say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, 1 John 1.9 says it so beautifully. It's just a magnificent understanding of the grace of Jesus and how he deals with this area of our life. As I said earlier, sin's not a problem for Jesus, and it's not a bad thing, and I don't want you to think this. It's the first John 1 John 1.9 says this, if we confess our sin, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
Where's the important emphasis on this? Is that sin isn't a problem for Jesus, but His heart is to restore us to the place of righteousness. To that understanding that He's our covering, that He's our truth. And oftentimes when we tangle with doubt, in order to, to get doubt out of our heart, we have to confess that and say, that is not true according to who you are. But instead, I'm going to believe who you are in my life. And then finally, the last thing is this. Hold on to the hand of Jesus. Hold on to the hand of Jesus. There's another narrative in, in, in Matthew. Another instance that Jesus is, the disciples are on a lake and there's another storm. But this time, Jesus isn't in the boat. Jesus starts and meets up with the disciples in a supernatural way. He sends them out ahead of him. Jesus is up praying, talking to the Father. And when he gets done, the waves are crashing, the storm is raging, and across the water, the disciples see a figure walking on top of the water. Mind blown. And as they look out over there, Peter sees Jesus, and he goes, that's Jesus. And he says, Jesus, if that's you, call me out. And, And Jesus calls Peter out, and Peter steps out, and his eyes are firmly fixed on Jesus. And Peter does the impossible, the unthinkable, is that he begins, just like Jesus, to walk on the water. But in an instant, what takes place is this, is that Peter takes his eyes off of Jesus. And he begins to look at the waves and the, and the storm around him, and he falls into the water. And Jesus walks up to him, and out, he lifts out, as he stretches out his hand, and he lifts Peter back up. And I love this scripture here. In Matthew, it says this, Immediately Jesus reached out His hand and caught him and said, You of little faith, why did you doubt? See, here's the thing. Even in our weakness, even in the times that we struggle in the storms of our life, if we will only look up to Jesus and reach out our hand, we're going to find a hand stretched out to us, reaching out to us, picking us up. And as long as we hold on to that hand, as long as we hold tightly to that hand and look firmly into his eyes, he is going to cause us to walk above the storms of our life. Amen. 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 This morning, no matter what situation you find yourself in, no matter where you find yourself, it's my prayer that faith will begin to grow, grow, grow in you. If I could have the ushers come forward. At this time, as we close this service, there's a couple of things that I want to see happen. First is this, is as we pray, this morning I'm going to pray that your faith would begin to to grow. Maybe you find yourself in a place and say, God, I need my faith to grow. I want to pray for you. There's faith in you. There's faith for you to endure the storms of your life. You're walking through something and you need to say, God, I need your help. I need to to feel your hand grabbing my hand. I need to feel your presence. I want to pray for you. This morning, if you're walking through a specific area of your life and and you say, God, I need need to see your, your touch on my life. I need to believe you as the truth. I need to come to you as a revelation of my righteousness and the truth of the one who is able to do what you said you'd do in me. I want to pray for you. This morning, if you're here in Freedom Christian Fellowship, if it's your home, 
I want you to take your tithe envelope. I want you to fill that out and make your tithe ready. This morning, I want you to also use that envelope. If you have a prayer need, something that you would like us to pray over, I want you to write that down. If you're a guest joining us today, I'm not asking, don't, don't give one thing. But here's what I'm asking you to do is that if you want, just let us know who you are this morning so that we can send you something. Thank you for being here today. But as we come to the Lord here, I want us to just begin to look to Him and say, God, whatever it is that you want to do, however it is that you want to lead us by faith, I want to hear your voice. Let's pray. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. Lord, right now, right now, God, I pray, Lord, that faith would begin to grow in our hearts. That faith would begin to grow just right where you are with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you are saying, hey, listen, this morning I need faith to grow inside of me. I just want you to make a motion. Just lift up your hand just right where you are. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, I pray that in the name of Jesus, that Lord, because of who you are, Jesus, that what you've given us in your word, the truth that you are our righteousness, that you are the one from the beginning, that you are the creator, that you are the one who overcame darkness, God. Lord, that you are the rhema, the living word of God that speaks and that moves to us today. Holy Spirit, begin to breathe that into these folks, God, that say, I need my faith to grow. God, I pray, Lord, that the implanted measure of faith that you placed in them, God, would just begin to spring forth. God, that they would see that, that they would receive that, and they would plant that in an area of their life that they need that right now. In the name of Jesus. This morning, if you're here and you're saying, listen, in my heart, there's an area of brokenness, whether it's a place where there's healing, there's a need for restoration and forgiveness, whatever it is, this morning I want to pray for you. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would begin to touch hearts exactly where they are. God, that you would let folks know that you are the one who came to overcome the works of the enemy. And God, that you would break, 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 break all those lies and begin to release your healing. Lord, release healing over physical bodies, Lord God. Lord, let's, let us begin to set our, our faith in that place, God. Lord, over marriages. In the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus over fear. In the name of Jesus. Over rejection. Over sin. In the name of Jesus. Jesus, You are greater. You are greater. You are greater. Thank You, Jesus, for that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Ushers, will you go and go ahead and pass the plate? Mm-hmm. Next week is Easter Sunday. And so we've made some cards up, and we want to give each one of you one of these cards. It's an invitation. And as you leave this morning, um, the ushers will be in the back. They're going to hand you a card. And I want you to think about somebody that you can invite to church next week. It's going to be a little different. It's going to be something that's going to be 
about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I want you to begin to pray and ask God, who is it that I'm going to give this card to? And I want each one of you to take a step of faith this week and say, God, as I receive this card, I know this is somebody who you're trying to bring into the kingdom. It's going to take a little bit of courage to say, hey, I just want to invite you to church. Maybe you'll hear no. It's okay. But there's been something that's been planted. Maybe you'll hear yes. But if we set our expectation and say, Jesus, this is why you came. This is what you said. John 13, that you must be lifted up so that you can draw all men unto you. That God, we would begin to see that. Because we believe on the earth today that Jesus is still saving and setting people free. Amen? Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? Let me bless you this morning. If I can just get one or two folks up here to pray. In just a moment as we close, and I bless you, feel free to leave. But if you need prayer for anything, anything specific that you'd like somebody to join in prayer with you about, we want to be up here to pray for you. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you for your blessing. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. Continue to bless, Lord, every person here through the measure of your grace, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 